So inviting people to church or sharing your faith can be absolutely terrifying and the worst and awful. It's like the vulnerability of asking someone out on the date mixed with the pressure of knowing that someone's eternal life is at stake. Now, clearly, there are different ways to go about it that can make the process easier to do. And you, when you look at this video, it's clear that there are certain ways to go about asking someone to church and certain ways that you certainly should go about asking someone to church. But regardless, even if you have the best strategy, even if you know exactly what you're going to say and how you're going to go about it, it can still be so difficult. So, so difficult, but I truly believe that even though it's hard, it's something that Jesus has asked each and every one of us to do for him. And it says this in Mark 16, 15b, it says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, the good news in this context is Jesus. It's who he is. It's what he did for us and what it means for each and every one of us. So obviously, he died on the cross for us. And when he did this, it healed all of our sins. It took them all away so that we could have eternity in heaven for him. But we also know that if a person doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't mean an eternity in heaven for them, but instead, an eternity for hell. But that's the good news, right? Is Jesus died for each of us. And if we have a relationship with him, then we get to go to heaven. Now, I know that it's so easy for me as someone who isn't currently in high school and someone who works at a church to say, you should invite people to church. You should share your faith because it's so easy for me to say that. But you, in your situation, are like, it's really, it's a lot easier said than done. But the truth is, I totally understand. I was in high school at 1.2, and it was something that I really struggled with. I came to 4640 every single week, week in, week out. I heard countless times, countless sermons on how important it was to share your faith, to invite people to church. But it was always in one ear and out the other. I thought, yeah, that's a good point, but it's not really for me. It's not really something that I'm going to try. Maybe I'll try next year because, see, you don't really know my high school, and you don't really know who my friends are, and you don't understand how awkward it is to talk about Jesus in a public high school setting. And so I kind of just turned it off and refused to believe that that sermon was for me. So I get it. I get how you feel. I get how intimidating it can be. But I also have the benefit of not being in high school anymore and experiencing the searing guilt of not sharing my faith when I had the chance. I felt that. I know what it's like to be graduated, to have that opportunity taken away from me and to have known that I could have done so, so much more. And looking back, that's a place of regret for me. And so tonight, you're going to hear that same old plea of, you need to invite people to church. You need to tell your story, but it's going to come out in maybe a different way because I'm going to tell you my story and how I'm not exactly the example to follow. But I also feel like God wanted you to hear from another perspective, from someone who didn't let all of high school and middle school pass her by before she knew that it was her opportunity, before it really clicked for her. She's a peer of yours. She's going through the same exact thing that you do, but she feels like the Lord has given her a word for you tonight. And so I wanted to bring her out here tonight. Her name is Maddie. To know her is to love her. So come on out. This is Maddie Ganser. And so I asked her tonight if she wouldn't mind sharing her story with you because I feel like it's very, very impactful. When she told it to me, I was basically in tears. Um, and I felt like she would have a lot for 
her to say and that maybe you guys could relate to. So go ahead, Maddie. Okay. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Fruit 8-9, but let me tell you, it is insane. Imagine enough teenage angst to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool mixed with the jealousy of every other freshman in the Valley getting to leave campus for lunch. Mm -hmm. I was lucky to only be there for one year, but I experienced enough craziness to last me an entire lifetime. I remember going to my first ever high school dance, the blue and white. Now as a freshman, everything I knew about high school came from those back in my day stories and Disney Channel movies. I was warned about the dance, but if there was one thing that high school musical taught me, it was that school dances were innocent events filled with choreographed dancing and singing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, just for reference, <laughs> at this point, the scariest movie I had ever watched was PG-13, and it gave me nightmares for about a week. <laughs> I didn't know it yet, but this was a disaster waiting to happen because I was so sheltered. Five minutes after walking to my first ever high school dance, I came to the realization that High School Musical lied straight to my face. <laughs> It wasn't like the movie at all. Rather than singing and synchronized dancing, there were people smoking and drinking and making out in corners, and not even one person, not one, sang a song about the power of friendship and school spirit. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Okay, I had this look on my face, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah, for sure, okay. for sure. Maybe the next one, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and definitely this last one. <laughs> I'm bringing that back. <laughs> From that point on, I kind of developed this love-hate relationship with high school. On one hand, I got to hang out with my favorite people and see my favorite teachers, but on the other hand, I wanted out of that place as fast as humanly possible. I had such bad tunnel vision that I was sprinting towards graduation without enjoying school at all. This led me to the very important question. Why did God put me here? It wasn't until a while later that I discovered the reason why we're all in school right now. Colossians 4 or 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Believe it or not, public school is one of the best opportunities we have to talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. There aren't gonna be many other occasions in your life where someone is forced to sit next to you and listen to what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, we shouldn't take this time we have for granted. Mm -hmm. School might feel like a chain we're all attached to for 12 years, but really, the enemy wants to frame it like that to blind us. I felt personally chained up by school up until recently, and I still kind of do. So if there's anyone who needs to hear this message, it's me. Paul actually spoke about this in Philippians. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. If we keep thinking that we're the prisoners and the victims of public school, we're missing the entire point. Mm -hmm. God would not place you in a situation if he didn't have a purpose for it. In the last 11 years, three things have made it really difficult to talk about Jesus at school. The first one being my reputation. What would my peers think about me loving Jesus? What would my teachers think? And what would my friends think? I remember the first time I realized that God's purpose was bigger than my reputation. Mm. 
I was, my I was a sophomore in math class, and my teacher suddenly announced that her mom was in critical condition at the hospital, and she started to cry. All of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to go over and pray with her. Now, in my mind, there were several problems with this. Most of my class didn't even know I was a Christian. What if they thought I was weird? Also, I didn't know if my teacher was comfortable with any of this. What if asking to pray with her made everything so much worse? Deep down, I knew that the Holy Spirit was right and I should do it. I gathered up all of my courage, walked up to my teacher and asked, can I pray with you? Three whole seconds later, she responded yes, and I prayed with her out loud in front of my entire class. The enemy had me convinced that people would dislike me after they found out that I followed Jesus, but of course, that was a complete lie. No one treated me any differently. In fact, a couple of kids came up with me to my teacher's desk to pray. Sometimes I get so caught up in what others think of me that I forget who God says I am. Truthfully, God's opinion is the only one we should care about. Psalm 139.14 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. If God says this about us, why should we care what anyone else thinks? The second difficult thing with inviting people to church is that they might reject you. The devil wants you to believe that every single person you try and tell about Jesus won't accept it. That they'll laugh in your face and storm off. However, I'm a senior in high school and I haven't yet had that happen to me. More often than not, you'll tell someone about 4640 and they just won't show up. There was one girl freshman year that I invited every single week for a very long time. It was difficult, but when she finally showed up, I saw her fall in love with Jesus and that feeling Seeing her fall in love with Jesus was so worth getting rejected however many times. In Mark, Jesus tells us to go and preach the good news to everyone. In the end, the risk of being rejected is so worth seeing a friend get saved. The last scary thing about inviting people to church is how much opposition there seems to be. Not everyone is going to like that you follow Jesus, but here's the truth. If everyone likes you all the time, you're doing something wrong. Not agreeing with what society says is a big part of life when you follow Jesus, and we shouldn't water ourselves down in order to fit in. The Bible says we are a light in this dark world because Jesus lives in us. The Bible also says in John 1:5 that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The truth is, God is so much bigger than our opposition than this darkness that we all face. You're not alone when you share your faith at school or anywhere else because God is with you all the time. My point is, we shouldn't take school for granted. I know that it isn't always fun or exciting and sometimes it isn't even bearable, but it might be one of the biggest opportunities we'll have to talk about Jesus. Mm. And honestly, I think that makes all the pain worth it. That's so good, Maddie. Thank you so much. Anyone else been to a Fruit 8-9 dance? It's, it's rough. It's real rough. Yeah, real sorry about that one. But thank you so much, Maddie, for telling your story tonight. Let's give her one more round of applause. She's so, so awesome. We love you, Maddie. Now, I wish I could come out here and say, yeah, I totally did what Maddie just talked about. I am really, really cool just like her, but that's not my story at all. It was um, very different from Maddie's because rather than taking advantage of the, the position that I was put in in school like Maddie did, the opportunities that I was given, I chose fear instead. Like Maddie talked about, fear of getting rejected, fear of being judged, fear of losing my oh-so-important reputation that I had worked so hard to protect. I cared more 
about what other people thought of me than other people's souls. And that's a really, really hard fact to have to come to terms with. And it wasn't like I tried. It wasn't like I really did go out there and I really did invite all of these people and they just always said no to me. No, I didn't even try at all. I was too afraid. I was too worried. I never even put the invitation out of there. That fear kept me from speaking out. Even though I knew Jesus was what I believed in. He was who I knew. I wanted to follow for the rest of my life that he had personally saved me and healed me in every single way. I knew all of these things, and yet I wasn't even willing to tell others about him. A while back, I remember when I was a student here, I was shown this video clip, and it's from like 2005. Pastor Will showed it so long ago, and it's always stuck with me in my head because this person in this video says something that just really convicted my heart and spoke to me right where I was at in that moment. And he's a magician. His name is Penn Teller. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he's a very, very popular uh, magician. He does shows in Vegas all of the time. And he, in this video, is telling the story of how one person, after a show, he had no idea who the guy was, came up with a Bible to him after the show. And this guy, Penn Teller, has been an atheist his entire life. He's very, very outspoken, does not believe in God. And this man just came with the simple Bible who he had never even seen before. And this is Penn Teller's reaction. It was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Mm. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a... a and so this, this saying, and you probably heard it while he was speaking, has stuck with me ever since I watched this video, however many years ago it was, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them about Jesus? Man. It just hits you, right? Because if we truly believe that Jesus is the way to eternal life, if we truly believe that without a relationship with him, we have an eternal life in hell, how can we not? 
How can we live with ourselves knowing that we're keeping this secret and not telling it to everybody who is willing to listen? That would be like knowing the cure to cancer or Alzheimer's and just keeping it to yourself, not saying anything because you're too worried about what other people would say. Another thing that really stuck with me about this video was the way that Penn described the man who gave him the Bible. He didn't say that he was a man that he had known for his entire life and that he had this entire presentation planned out with points A, B, C, D. He didn't have all of these different reasons and this huge, huge argument of why Penn should love Jesus. He was a man he had never even met before. And there were some characteristics that stuck out to him, and he said he was kind. He said that he genuinely seemed to care about Penn, and he didn't try and argue with him. He didn't try and shove his opinions and his beliefs down his throat, but instead he said, I care about you. Here's a Bible. I'd love for you to read it. And that stuck with me, too, because it shows you don't have to be the most eloquent speaker. You don't have to have a paper written on why you should believe in Jesus and why he is real. You don't have to have years and years and years of influence or relationship with somebody. You just have to show them that you care. You just have to tell the truth. There's so much value in just being genuine and authentic. And it's something that we all crave so much that when someone is genuine and authentic, we all immediately listen to that person, whether we agree with them or not. And the same can go for us. We don't have to have everything prepared. We don't have to have all the answers. All we have to do is say, I care about you. And this is something that means so much to me. Jesus has done so much for me. I would love for you to give him the opportunity to do the same. How much do you have to hate someone to not share your faith? Man, if I could go back and just shake myself and tell myself these things, wake up. You don't have to be the most influential person. You don't have to worry about your, your reputation and your coolness because none of that stuff matters in a couple years anyway. If I could have chosen other people's souls over my own vanity, I wouldn't have to look back with regret or guilt any longer. We don't have to let the things that Maddie talked about earlier keep us from sharing our faith and inviting others to church. Our reputation doesn't really matter. Fear is a lie, and rejection is also a lie and a trick from the enemy to make us not share our faith. Romans 1.16a says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Yes, it's terrifying, and it's awkward, and you may feel like you could even offend the person with what you believe in, but that's such a small price to pay, our own discomfort for someone else's eternal life. Like Maddie said, each of us have been given the perfect opportunity at this age, in this stage of life, to share our faith. And whether this means that we go after the ones that we know we've seen here before at 4640 and they've just wandered away, or these are people that you know for sure have no idea who Jesus is, it's our responsibility. Not somebody else's who knows more about Jesus, who has a longer track record with him, but our responsibility. It says so in James 5, 19 through 20. This is those that have known Jesus but have wandered away. It says, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. 
How many people should be in this room tonight? Friends that you know that have come before but have fallen away because they got bored or busy. Friends that you know have never had the opportunity to even hear Jesus' name. Who should be here tonight, sitting next to you, hearing the good news? We here at 4640, we have a saying that we want to make it hard for the people of the Grand Valley to go to hell. And what we mean by that is, is we want to make this an amazing place for you and your friends to come. Yes, we have a spider jump. Yes, we have a foam pit and all of these comfy couches and free snacks. But we also have people who love you, who care about you, who will see you through the hardest circumstances. We have a band who can play the most incredible worship, but also steward in the spirit and the presence of God like I've never seen before. We have the resources. We have the things that it would take to help your friends. If you can just get them through the door, we promise that we will do everything we can to get your friends saved. We want to make it hard for people in the Grand Valley to go to hell. And so tonight, I wanted, what I want to do is I want to give the Holy Spirit just some time to kind of work on your heart a little bit and maybe show you who it is that he wants here. Those missing people, the ones that he loves so, so much that he created for a purpose who he's not seen here before. I want to give you the opportunity for him to lay those people on your heart because maybe you don't even know to start. So I just want to ask you to close your eyes for just a second. And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit in. And so, dear Jesus, we just ask right now that you can just show us those names, that you can just remind us of those people who have fallen away, who've stopped coming or who have never even had the opportunity to come at all. We just ask that you'll bring those names, those faces to our minds right now, whether that's someone on our dance team or our football team, someone in our science class who we've never even talked to before, our best friend, our cousin, our sister. Jesus, we just ask that you bring those faces to our mind right now that so clearly you speak to us on who you want in this room, who we're supposed to go after, who we are supposed to chase, because they are your precious, beloved sons and daughters. So these, as these faces are coming into our mind, Jesus, I just ask that you just eliminate the fear. The fear of rejection, the fear of opposition, the fear of losing some form of our reputation. We don't want to be afraid. We want to be able to walk into our schools with a holy boldness and a holy confidence and know that we did everything that we could during our years to share our faith, to share who you are with them. It's not complicated. It's not hard, it's simple. You're simple. So we pray against that fear right now in the name of Jesus. And we just ask that you give these students the opportunity, the words to say, the timing, that you can give them the tools that they need to get your friends here. And we pray that once they get them here, Jesus, that we can get them saved through you, God. 
that you can just move their hearts, that when they walk into this room, they can feel that there is something different, something that they've been missing, something that they need so desperately that they didn't even realize wasn't in their lives. We pray that if we get them here, Jesus, that you'll do the rest. We thank you for this opportunity. We don't resent it. We thank you for this purpose and for trusting us with your people, God. We don't want to turn from you anymore. We choose you. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.